So as I'm sure you've seen, um, basically inter interim president of Venezuela, Juan Guaido, uh, who, you know, it, it's kind of like they're just making up these laws as they go. Like, you know, CNN is pushing this theory that by Venezuela's constitution, Juan Guaido is now the president because the election last year was not uh, not fair or was a scam, even though Nicolas Maduro was elected for the first time um, many, many years ago, not last year. And by all election observers, including the Carter Center, it was a free and fair election. Nicolas Maduro didn't even have to hold an election last year. The actual presidential, uh, by the dates, the presidential election was supposed to be this year in uh, Venezuela. But Maduro, such a dictator, uh, agreed to hold it a year early. That's not exactly, do you think Trump would be like, yeah, I'll hold the election in 2019 if, if there's enough outcry? Of course not. I think this Ben Norton tweet says it all. Ben Norton has been in Venezuela reporting. I think he's in Caracas right now. Uh, oh no, he's in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, the U.S. government is openly supporting the violent military coup attempt in Venezuela. The U.S. was also behind the failed 2002 military coup against elected President Hugo Chavez. This time, the Trump administration is not even trying to hide it. Couldn't agree more. You got Glenn Greenwald talking about Debbie Wasserman Schultz, that that wonderful progressive Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and uh, Tana Shalala, another Florida hack. Two of the most outspoken politicians supporting the Trump administration's regime change efforts in Venezuela have been Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Donna Shalala. This tweet deceitfully tries to claim the Trump administration is siding with Maduro, but that's an obvious lie. Dems stand with Trump. He's responding to a tweet by Florida Democrats, which Debbie Wasserman Schultz runs everything down there. So that's the beauty in America, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're a black person and you breathe, you go to jail, right? If you're a Native American and you breathe or, or protest, you get your head, head bashed in. Same goes for brown people. Now, if, if you're poor and white and, and you say a word, your, your uh, protest. You could get beat up and get thrown in jail. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, you rig an election. You have to resign in disgrace. Yeah, you get backbenched for like five minutes and now you could come forward again. And that all is well. There's no penalty for Debbie Wasserman Schultz. And now she's pushing uh, an armed coup of the Venezuelan government, essentially aided by the United States. Here is John Bolton, this, this peaceful man so worried about humanitarian giving the humanitarian aid the venezuelan people need here's john bolton describing the coup or not clearly not a coup in his words that the united states is essentially the shadow puppets behind well juan guaido is uh, out on the streets of caracas now he's rallying the people he's called for the people to come out and they are they are increasingly on the streets as i think many of you know there were mass demonstrations planned for tomorrow. Uh, the circumstances of uh, what's happened today uh, in Caracas have called people out all over the country. Uh, so uh, Guaido is behaving in the same courageous way he and other figures in the opposition have these last three months. Uh, we know that over 40 people have been killed by the Maduro regime in the course of these protests. Uh, this is an act of bravery by Guaido and others. Uh, really for the freedom of the Venezuelan people. Well, I think it's uh, it's possible this situation could persist. I think the people have, uh, have shown they're prepared to protect Guaido. Uh, we don't see any indication uh, that there's any substantial part of the military that's ready to fire on innocent civilians, their fellow countrymen. We know that the Cuban organized colectivos, these thugs, these motorcycle gangs that the Cubans have put together, uh, are out uh, protecting certain buildings uh, controlled by Maduro. Not the military, but the colectivos. Th this really demonstrates the depths to which the Maduro regime has sunk, that they're using these Cuban-directed uh, thugs to conduct their affairs. Uh, and it's one reason why I think there's such overwhelming public support for Guaido. It needs to be translated into a transition of power. Yes, sir. Sir. Yes, sir. Let me say two things to be very clear. Number one, we want as our principal objective the peaceful transfer of power. Uh, but I will say again, as the president has said from the outset, 
uh, and that Nicolas Maduro and those supporting him, particularly those who are not Venezuelan, should know is all options are on the table. Where do you start with this John Bolton? John Bolton standing in front of a camera talking about peaceful transitions, uh, caring about, you know, the act Juan Guaido is, you know, exerting bravery in search of the, in, in a quest for the freedom of the Venezuelan people. I'm trying to think of the best analogy. I mean, this would be like, you know, Dick Cheney selling Boy Scout and Girl Scout cookies. I mean, John Bolton is about as believable as my left toe, if that makes any sense. And it's, it's so egregious. First of all, when they say, uh, you know, President Trump wants the peaceful transition, the peaceful transition of government from, uh, you know, Maduro to Guaido. Well, peaceful transitions, the definition of that is elections. When one side wins and one side loses and the winning side, excuse me, the losing side peacefully transitions power to the winning side. Uh, that's peaceful transition. This is a coup, even though Bolton laughably said, uh, clearly not a coup. Well, what do you call this? Because every objective person says Juan Guaido, Juan Guaido announcing himself as the, the interim president of Venezuela would be like after the Mueller report or after something damaging to Trump, Nancy Pelosi declaring herself president of the United States. Uh, Nancy Pelosi as president of the United States would be pretty, pretty horrifying. I think most of you would agree. But they don't have to like uh, Nicolas Maduro. And I don't know enough about Venezuelan politics to say whether Maduro is good, bad. I know people I trust like Ben Norton, Ronya Kalek, Glenn Greenwald, they've all conceded that he has not always done the right thing economically for the Venezuelan people. But to say this, to paint him as a dictator, there's no difference between Nicolas Maduro and Mohammed bin Salman, King Jordan, uh, Abdullah, King Abdullah of Jordan, uh, Saddam Hussein, when we were cozying up to him before he became a problem. The, th the problem is Maduro doesn't want to hand over the largest oil reserves in the world to United States oil companies. That's what all of this is about. Getting rid of him, putting in a puppet, Juan Guaido, because that's what he is, a puppet. And by the way, all you got to do is read up on it. He's an extreme puppet. He is a radical right winger who wants to privatize Venezuela's publicly public resources and privatize them all. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? And, you know, John Bolton talking about, I wrote it down, uh, freedom for the Venezuelan people. Well, you know, Aaron Maté, who's a good journalist, Ben Norton who's a good journalist, Max Blumenthal, who's a good journalist. They've all been in Venezuela in recent weeks, and I've seen some of their interviews. It doesn't seem to me that the people they're speaking to are, are lacking freedom. Max Blumenthal has gone through markets, uh, food markets, that show low prices, partially because of the Maduro government. So are there parts of Venezuela that are struggling? Yes. Are there parts of Venezuela that are in serious economic Despair? Yes. Is Maduro perfect? No. But you don't, as a country, and of course we're not a country, we're the United Corporations of America, which I always say, you don't go in there and say, well, you know, uh, this, this, uh, you know, basically they're trying to paint Maduro as not the leader, not the democratically elected leader. This dictator, this brutal man, you know, he needs to, uh, he needs to gracefully exit and insert the rightful president, Juan Guaido. This is about as phony as you could possibly get. It's military industrial complex, plus regime change, plus fossil fuel fuckery. I mean, it, it's laughable. And by the way, this is happening. This is happening. I want to show you this article because frankly, well, what happened last time we, it, for, the, for, the, for the purpose of humanitarian aid, what happened last time we did this in Libya? Oh, who, who's this? 
Who is Khalifa Haftar, whose forces are attacking Tripia, Tripoli, Libya? Libya's latest upheaval comes at the hands of a mustached military strongman who lived in the U.S. for 20 years, has passed links with the CIA, and recently spoke on the phone with President Donald Trump about their, quote, shared vision for the country. The North African nation has been divided, lawless, and verging on becoming a failed state ever since NATO intervention, including American airstrikes, helped topple dictator Mo Muammar Gaddafi in 2011. Oh, you know who is for these airstrikes and, you know, intervention? Of course, President Obama. Of course, Hillary Clinton. Uh, who's that guy that CNN claims is the overwhelming frontrunner? Joe Biden? Same Joe Biden who said this? Considered in the context of the president's speech this week and his address last month to the United Nations General Assembly, this resolution, though still imperfect, deserves our support, and let me explain why. First, the objective is more clearly and carefully stated. The objective is to compel Iraq to destroy its illegal weapons of mass destruction and its programs to develop and produce missiles and more of those weapons. President Bush did not lash out precipitously at Iraq after 9-11. He did not snub the UN or our allies. He did not dismiss new inspection regimes. He did not ignore Congress. At each pivotal moment, he has chosen a course of moderation and deliberation, and I believe he will continue to do so. At least that is my fervent hope. I wish he would turn down the rhetorical excess in some cases, because I think it undercuts the decision he ends up making. But in each case, in my view, he has made the right, rational, and calm, deliberate decision. Ooh, child. So that's Senator Joe Biden basically fluffing President Bush's pillows um, in the build-up to the Iraq War. Ooh, man. Ooh. Saying George W. Bush was moderate and deliberate. I don't want to get too much on Biden because we're going to get to that in a bit. But, you know, exactly what we're trying to do in Venezuela right now. We just did this several years ago when it came to Libya. And Libya has become not only a disaster with equally, if not worse, terrorists running it than Muammar Gaddafi, but Libya... Libya has an open slave trade now. This because of the United States and our, oh, our humanitarian desire to free the people of Libya. Hillary Clinton, that's all she wanted, just free the people of Libya. Just like the Clintons went into Haiti to, to help with post-earthquake relief and then made gobbles and gobbles of money off of it. I mean, it's astounding if you read up on, on Libya. Two rival governments continue to claim power in a country destabilized by warring militias and Islamist fighters. Amid the chaos, exper experienced warlord Khalifa Haftar earlier this month launched an offensive on the capital, Tripoli, where the internationally recognized government is based. It is the latest de development in bewilderingly complex crisis where several groups are vying for control, but with little sign of revolution. Quote, a morally bankrupt elite is engaged in a zero-sum game for absolute power said Tariq Magarasi, a policy fellow at the European Council on Foreign Relations. Think Game of Thrones, where every house is ruled by Joffrey. Woo! That's bad if you know Game of Thrones. Joffrey, he's a real son of a gun. Now, I, I say this because really what the United States is doing in the case of Venezuela, just like it did with Libya, just like it did in Iran, in the case of Mossadegh in the 1950s, just like it's done in I mean, Pakistan and Peru and many other places. We don't particularly care about the people in these countries. We don't particularly care what happens after. We don't really care who the leader is, per se, as long as they do what the United States wants. It is a get in and get out operation. Get in, take the resources, privatize the country, privatize the country, and then... Uh, Maybe, you know, 10 years later, maybe they'll be, oh, in retrospect, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And then redo it all over again in another country. 
And in Bolton's, in Bolton's ridiculous comments, by the way, somebody needs to call the 1950s and 60s back and say, and, and you know, we want our, you know, ranting and propagandizing about Cuba back. I mean, the administration is literally pushing the same propaganda about Cuba as has been United States fear-mongering in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s, 2000s. I mean, at least Obama did that right, trying to normalize relations with Cuba, which Trump, of course, uh, reversed. So I don't know how much clearer it could get. I mean, the United States is literally at the helm. Juan Guaido's uh, resistance and controlled opposition is in many parts, if you look at the financial connections, which Max Blumenthal, Ben Norton has at the Gray Zone, I would recommend you reading their work at the Gray Zone. A lot of it's funded by the U.S. State Department and the Defense Department. So this is United States funded and trained opposition basically toppling the democratically elected leader of Venezuela. When, when they say, they always say, oh, they wanted a sham election. They're not legitimate. Well, uh, you know, free and uh, all these observers and all these organizations that monitor elections around the world said when he was first elected, it was free and fair. They tried this, as Ben Norton pointed out, with Hugo, Hugo Chavez's elections. So, you know, uh, uh, Full disclosure, I reached out to Tulsi Gabbard's campaign this morning to try and get a quick interview with her on this because I think this requires presidential leadership. Uh, in full fairness, par- partially because I just landed last night and I was trying to cram so much in this afternoon while still doing this live stream, I haven't even looked to see if Bernie Sanders has said anything about this. Tulsi Gabbard has said anything about this. That's my bad. Uh, I just haven't had time to look as I was doing 25 things at once. Uh, so Tulsi has spoken out very strongly on this in the past, in the not-so-recent past. Bernie Sanders has kind of said, you know, he's been on both sides. He said, well, the United States should not be in the business of regime change, but Maduro is a dictator and blah, 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 blah. So in the past, I don't think Bernie's statements were as strong as Tulsi's. I don't know what either has said today. Uh, when I know, I'll do a follow-up. So... Uh, we'll follow up on this. And uh, I've reached out to Ben Norton to try and get an interview. I believe he is in Colombia right now, so he might not be available to do that interview right now, but I'll keep trying even if it's on the phone uh, because we need the experts on the ground there to actually tell you what's actually going on. Because CNN, I mean, if you watch it, it is like real-time propaganda. Like instead of having producers in their ear in the control room, they literally have CIA officials telling them what to say. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. So I get back and all of a sudden, Joe Biden is the far and away, far and away, the front runner of the Democratic Party he, uh, and the Democratic race. It, it's, it's like, why should Bernie even bother, right? It's the same kind of narrative forming now that you saw in 2016 with Hillary Clinton, where they were putting the superdelegates on the screen and in the New York Times and lumping them together with the pledge delegates to make it seem like Bernie Sanders is, why should he bother running? He's so far behind. And this morning, I mean, if you're a non-critical thinking person, you would look at this CNN headline and this poll and be like, oh my Lord, all this momentum with Bernie, it wasn't real. He's getting crushed. Former Vice President Joe Biden's announcement of a bid for the Democratic presidential nomination earned him an 11 point polling bounce, leaving him head and shoulders above the rest of Democrat candidates. A new CNN poll conducted by SSRS after Biden's announcement on Thursday shows 39% of voters who are Democrats or Democrat-leaning independents say that he is their top choice for the nomination, up from 28% who said the same in March. Woo, that's an 11% boost. Bernie, you got to drop out. Come on, Bernie. You got no shot. That's what they want you to think. That puts Biden more than 20 points ahead of his nearest competitor, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, who holds 15% support in the poll and roughly 30 points ahead of the next strongest candidate, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Warren ranks about evenly with South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, former Texas Rep Beto O'Rourke, and Senator Kamala Harris of California, 5%. 
who round out the list of those earning 5% more in the poll. Beginning to look like for Kamala Harris, you know, the Clinton donors who are all surrounding her, it's literally the same exact donors, by the way, not exactly getting that big bang for the buck with, with Kamala Harris. For the people, for the people, Kamala Harris. You might have to start examining whether the people like you, but I digress. So, you know, Bert Biden's surge in support solidifies his status as the front runner in a race that now has 20 candidates in the Democratic field. Biden's early campaign message has been centered around taking on Donald Trump more directly than his Democratic counterparts, and the president has noticed spending time attacking Biden. So I don't need to read the rest to you. I mean, you, you see what they're doing. They, they have framed with their numbers, and I say numbers because they're ridiculous, and I'm going to show you why. They're trying to frame it as, well, you know, okay, we had, we had the kids' table with Bernie as the front runner while Biden was, like, waiting or, you know, waiting to make sure no other women came out showing that he's a creep, but we'll see about that. I have a gut feeling that somebody like Joe Biden, I mean, all you got to do is look at the videos of the pictures over the years. I think there's more out there, but we'll see. I don't have any firsthand knowledge, but that's my gut. So what's unbelievable about this poll, okay? Let me just read you so you have the background here, the methodology methodology section. And you might get a little bored, but this is kind of important. So a total of 1,007 adults were interviewed by telephone nationwide by live interviewers calling both landline and cell phones Interviews were conducted in English and Spanish. Among the entire sample, 33% described themselves as Democrats, 26% described themselves as Republicans, 41% described themselves as independents or members of another party. So the majority were independents. Next, Democrats at 33%, Republicans at 26%. All respondents were asked questions concerning concerning basic demographics, and the entire sample is weighted to reflect national census figures for gender, race, age, education, region of the country, and telephone usage. I want to get to this part, which is the most important. Cross tabs on the following pages only include results for subgroups with a minimum of N equals 125 unweighted cases. While interviews were conducted among a representative sample of the adult population of the United States, Results for subgroups with fewer than 125 unweighted cases are not displayed and instead are denoted with NA, not applicable, because they are too small to be projectable in their true value in the true values in the population. In English, what that means is it's NA because they they were not they did not poll enough people in those specific age groups for it to be statistically relevant. Or simply put, it could be many things. We couldn't find enough people in these age groups to answer the phone or talk to us. Um, whatever the case may be, we, we just didn't have enough. We didn't include enough people in these age groups, whatever the age groups are, to include it uh, in the poll. Meaning uh, we oversampled certain age groups, undersampled other age groups. Got it? Okay. Well, which one do you think they oversampled? Hmm. Here is CNN's age breakdown for their poll. You see, this is, by the way, at, for Democrats or Democratic-leaning independents. Total, Joe Biden, 18 to 34, not applicable. 35 to 45, 30, 35 to 49, not applicable. 50 to 64, Oh, they polled enough people aged 50 to 64. 65 and over. Oh, they polled enough people. They polled enough people. 65 and older. Goes down the list for everybody. Bernie Sanders, not applicable. Mess Elizabeth Warren, not applicable. They undersampled. It's right here in the poll. Age 18 to 34 and age 35 to 49. Bernie Sanders, as his donations have shown uh, his first three months of the campaign, did incredibly well age 40 and under. Age 40 and under. Still does decent, I'd say, over 40, but his sweet spot is that 18 to 40 spot. Well, no wonder Joe Biden 
is beating him by 24 points when you, by CNN's own methodology that they are claiming, I'll read it to you one more time, cross tabs on the following pages only include results for subgroups with a minimum N equals 125, so 125 unweighted cases, meaning 125 people, while interviews were conducted among a representative sample of the adult population of the United States, results for subgroups with fewer than 125, meaning less than 125 people polled, are not displayed and instead are denoted with an NA because they are too small to be projectable to their true values in the population. So what you have here, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, CNN is literally skewing and cooking their own polls to weigh if it's a seesaw, oh my God, it is seesawed so high towards older people and very, very low and undersampling younger people. Now, to be clear, we have a lot of older viewers. To be clear, there's a lot of older progressives that support Bernie Sanders. It's not like he just has young people. But the data shows from 2016, and it still shows from now, that establishment voters, generally speaking, by the data, are predominantly 50 and older, especially 65 and older. Again, still Bernie does well among uh, progressive older folks. I'm talking 50 and older. doesn't make you old. You're only as old as you feel. Correct? Age is just a number. But by the data, I'm just being clear. I'm not trying to offend older viewers. Biden and establishment people, their sweet spot would be 50 and older, whereas the younger folk are, are, are more prone to someone like Bernie or Tulsi or Warren. You get the point. So CNN is pushing this headline that uh, Biden is the clear front runner, and no one in the media ever actually reads the poll. Nobody. Nobody reads the methodology. I read it. Jen read it and sent me some great notes. So what separates what CNN is doing right now than what Fox News has done for 20 years? You are putting forth a narrative. You are putting forth numbers without any context. You're not saying to, you know, by the way, take this with a grain of salt because it's definitely skewed more towards an older American. We had more older Americans answer the poll. And, and as a result, we, had, we polled way more people above 50, above 65, than people 18 to, 18 to uh, 34, 35 to 49. What CNN is doing is called propaganda. And frankly, I'm telling Bernie's campaign, I, I don't think any of them watch me, but who knows. What CNN is doing is the equivalent of what CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all these people did in 2016. It's the new superdelegates. You know, they put superdelegates on the screen, they mixed it with pledged delegates to make it look like just one number, and it made it look like Hillary Clinton was just so far past Bernie Sanders, it was a mathematical um, impossibility for Bernie Sanders to catch up or beat her. Even though we, we all knew those superdelegate numbers meant nothing. Those were, those were you know, party leaders that vote at the convention. Those votes aren't part of the official tally because they haven't happened yet. And those voters, those superdelegates could change their mind day of based on the pledge delegate, based on the will of the people, even though we know that's BS because they don't give a damn about the will of the people. They are party leaders. They are corrupt. They are bought off by big banks, big pharma, big oil, Silicon Valley, real estate developers. We know. We know how the United Corporations of America works. But what's so egregious about this is it's a systematic system. So CNN in the morning, usually about 8 a.m., 9 a.m. Eastern time, put out this poll. The poll is bullshit, as I just showed you. Then CNN anchors, CNN forecasters, Harry Enten, who's their forecaster, who goes on. He's a real weird guy. I think he's got a really awkward way of presenting himself. But anyway, goes on and then pushes, oh, Joe Biden, front runner. And oh, Bernie Sanders' honeymoon is over. And CNN does this. And then all the, the print outlets pick it up, CNN's poll. And then, you know, the establishment pundits and the journalists that favor the establishment are, you know, pushing this CNN poll out. And before you know it, all of this gets to voters who are not, who don't have the time to read a poll, don't have the time to read anything other than the headline, and don't have the time to look through the method methodology and know, are they giving me the full context? Are they actually sampling all, 
a, a, a true representation of all voters and all age groups. Nobody has the time for that. I barely have the time for it, but that's my job. So it's wildly dishonest. And frankly, Bernie Sanders campaign, I don't know why I had emailed Bernie Sanders campaign probably three weeks ago, a month ago with this very question. Uh, if they feel that's all, previous CNN polls that were doing this, as well as other polls that are doing this, where they don't give any information on the actual number of people they are including in the poll, age 18 to 29, age 30 to 45, whatever. It could be 18 to 29 in some polls, 18 to 34 in other, but whatever. Do you, you know, don't you think that these polls showing Biden is the front runner or beating Bernie in some cases by 10, in this case by 24 points? Don't you think it should be said, or you guys should be pointing out that they're wildly undersampling young people, especially millennials? They never responded to me. They never responded to me on Flint either. I don't take it personally. He's busy. They're busy. Maybe they just don't have time to answer me. I mean, I'm not from the New York Times, which I'm sure they would prioritize. I think that's a mistake, to tell you the truth. I think they should be prioritizing independent media because they need to get the, the truth needs to get to Bernie's base, which I would say is my audience, Jimmy's audience, other people. Of course, there's Tulsi Gabbard supporters as well. You got to get the truth to your base so you can rally your base to do something. My job isn't to elect Bernie Sanders or not elect him. My job is to tell the truth. And the truth is the corporate media industrial complex is trying to screw Bernie and it starts with CNN. Not to mention, by the way, oh my God, I got home last night. Uh, at, what time did I get home? 11.30 at night. I, uh, I don't fall right asleep, so I put on the TV. Brian Williams, watching Brian Williams on MSNBC is like watching like the committee, uh, the committee on communism from the 1950s with uh, McCarthy. The committee of, what, what was that committee called? I don't even remember. Um, literally, he's, they're already ranting about uh, Russia is currently in real time attacking us, attacking 2020. So what they're doing, and I'm telling you right now, and whoever, I hope somebody records uh, me saying this, what they're doing right now, and I told you this months ago, you wait till this propaganda about Russia's attacking our, our elections in 2020, wait till it begins, the propaganda and the narrative. Russia is actively trying to help Bernie Sanders win the Democratic nomination. This is coming. If you're a Game of Thrones uh, watcher, you know, winter is coming. The Bernie Russia propaganda is coming. Mark my words. They're not going to be subtle. It's going to be thick. It's going to be McCarthyism on steroids, and they're all going to be in on it. I was just talking to Aaron Maté, uh, who is, I call the Russiagate slayer. He's been amazing on this, and I kudos to him because I can't, I don't know how he follows this and keeps the same mind, but he has been right and right and right and right pretty much every time on Russiagate. And he won, a, he won an award recently, which he definitely deserved. But this is, this is the sequel to Russiagate. Part one was 2016. Part two is going to be the Red Scare in 2020. And they're going to wrap Bernie Sanders' head around it. And they are going to try to link Bernie Sanders to Russia. They're going to say there's fake uh, trolls and, and fake Facebook pages uh, intentionally to defeat Joe Biden or whoever they say is the establishment pick and lift Bernie Sanders. And they are going to do it very, very obviously. And then you're going to have the DNC. It's not going to be in emails. I think they're wise enough now not to put what they're doing in emails, but through phone, through private meetings, secret dinners in New York and DC, as I reported about two weeks ago, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Pete Buttigieg, Terry McAuliffe, donors, Neera Tandon, they're secretly meeting. Well, what are they doing? Mark my words what they're doing. They're taking these kind of polls. They are going to try and smear Bernie Sanders as a communist, as a Russian asset, unknowingly or knowingly. Ber oh, why did Bernie and Jane go on their honeymoon to Russia? Who did they meet with during that honeymoon? I, I could hear Malcolm Nance on MSNBC now and Rachel Maddow's head exploding. It's coming. Prepare yourself. But this stuff needs to be called out. I mean, listen, I think Fox News is a whole different level of propaganda. But propaganda is propaganda. Fox News might be more uh, race-based. Uh, 
uh, more Islamophobic and those kinds of things. CNN propaganda is clearly propaganda for corporate interest. CNN is owned by AT&T. AT&T brought you, is a big, big sponsor of the surveillance state of America, folks, and other terrible things. So we need to call this out. By the way, the poll shows a lot of other things that CNN failed to mention in their coverage. I mean, this is important. Jen found this. Uh, Would you say you will definitely support that candidate or is it possible you might change your mind as far as their preferred candidates? 36% definitely support. Might change your mind, 64%. I mean, in fairness, that is slightly down. I mean, in January, it was, uh, I think they wrote these the wrong, the wrong way, I think. But anyway, definitely support, 36%. Might change your mind, 64%. So Biden is the front runner. He's the front runner. He's got 39%. Yet 64% of people polled might change their mind. Other thing. How much do you feel you know about the positions Joe Biden took when he served in the Senate? Great, a great deal, a fair amount, just a little or nothing at all? Leader, nothing at all. Oh, joy. Nothing at all. You wait till Pres- uh, Bernie Sanders or frankly Trump, if Biden became the nominee, starts letting those people who know nothing at all, especially in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, other Rust Belt states, you know, oh, Joe Biden, who during his campaign kickoff, I'm a union guy. I'm a union guy. Well, you wait till those people that say they don't know much about Joe Biden's time as a senator, him pushing for the Iraq war, him drafting the crime bill, him voting to gut welfare, him voting to repeal Glass-Steagall, him voting to deregulate the um, uh, media industry, him voting and being helping to push the Patriot Act. The list goes on and on and on. The bankruptcy bill. I mean, this is not going to be pretty. By the way, Trump's going to do the same thing successfully that he did to Hillary Clinton to Joe Biden because Joe Biden is just Hillary Clinton with a penis. Sorry, that's the truth. He's, he's the same exact person as Hillary Clinton. Frankly, on policy, I mean, I'd have to do a side by side, but he might be worse. He was, de- he was in the Senate way longer than her. And you want to go back to the 1970s against um, desegregated schooling, against busing. I mean, the guy is not so, for the crime, created the crime bill. As recently in 2016 said, I don't regret the crime bill at all. Let's not stop there. If you go through the actual issues on the poll, this is what they want. How important is it to you that a Democratic candidate for president supports these issues? Very important, somewhat important, not too important, blah, 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 blah. So not uh, very somewhat important. Taking aggressive action to slow the effects of climate change. 96% are for that. Well, Joe Biden, let me tell you, he ain't against fracking. And ooh, you look at the money he's taking. I promise you there's fossil fuel fuckery there. Super chat me. Cursed again. Providing health insurance for all Americans through the government, a plan sometimes called Medicare for all, 91%. Taking action, executive action, if Congress fails to pass stricter gun laws, 85%. Making public college tuitions free, 78%. Impeaching Donald Trump, 71%. Paying reparations to the descendants of enslaved people, 63%. Well, most of those issues Joe Biden isn't for. Didn't even get on, didn't even go down the list into regulating Wall Street, reinstating Glass-Steagall, a Green New Deal. Most of the things that are popular, Joe Biden is not for. And by the way, Joe Biden now, this is another thing that we should add. Joe Biden now wants you to think that his grand health care plan is a public option because we shouldn't have a total government takeover of health care, but we should have it as an option so that The government can compete with private insurance, giving people choices. Oh, how kind, how wonderful, how visionary that is of Joe Biden. If we could just have government competitions for private health insurance, it would move the cost down because of the competition. Well, uh, if you remember Obamacare, which originally by um, Obama ran on single payer, then he whittled it down to public option and then 
but you know, before you know it, all these compromises to get something done became the Republican health care plan known as out of the Heritage Foundation. They hatched it known as the Affordable Care Act. Do you know, folks, you want to know a little something personal right now about me? Are you aware? Are you aware that I was on COBRA for a while, which is a wildly expensive program? Uh, it means that if you are fired or, yeah, if you're fired from a job, uh, you could stay on that company's health care. I think you have up to 18 months. So I was on still technically the Young Turks com uh, health insurance for, I still am. Uh, that's up at the end of May. So next month. So I had to figure out what am I going to do? I still haven't figured it out. But I looked into Obamacare plans in New York. You know, the cheapest plan I could get, like with a subsidy, would cost me, I think, like 500 something dollars a month with a $3,000 deductible. And the network of doctors was not so large. Uh, there's other, like the copays were high for a, a regular doctor as well as a specialist, emergency rooms. This is the Affordable Care Act. I don't want to say it hasn't helped anyone. The Medicaid expansion has been critical for low-income people, particularly people of color. So it's not all bad. But for, for the majority of people, Obamacare is not affordable at all. I could tell you it's not for me. I still don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, and I only have a month to decide. So what's, what's unbelievable about Joe, about Joe Biden's you know, public option, does any objective, sane person, forget if you're progressive, if you're establishment, if you're conservative, just be objective for a second. Does anyone think his public option won't be so wetted and sanitized and, and watered down by Big Pharma and the insurance company that it will be a public option, like a government option that will be equally expensive as private insurance, maybe even worse? Does anybody believe that? Because I got news for you. Joe Biden's public option, when it's all said and done, if he became president, will be watered down to the point you might as well call it the plutocrat option. So if you think Joe Biden is out there for you, if you think Joe Biden is, you know, trying to just create competition so he could get those costs down, you need to read his record. And I haven't had time today. I'm going to do a much deeper dive on Joe Biden because I was in the field covering Flint when he announced. But Joe Biden is not your friend. Joe Biden is, is Hillary Clinton 2.0, 3.0. And Joe Biden is not so subtly going to be trying to attract African-American voters by basically hugging Barack Obama around him. That's what he's doing. He just released an ad today. It's not a formal endorsement by Barack Obama, but it's Barack Obama's voice speaking uh, supportive words about Joe Biden. So that's what he's doing. He's trying to basically get, I don't mean this in a racial way, it's just facts. A lot of black people, especially black women, uh, older black Americans, love Obama. Policy be damned. And I get it to a certain extent. He was a historic president. Uh, so Joe Biden is trying to cloak, him, cloak himself with that Obama around him and hope that it sticks. I think he's going to have a big problem because I think in the age of the internet, I think with 20 candidates, I think with Bernie's messaging, I think I think a lot of African-Americans who might support him because of uh, him being vice president to Obama probably don't know 75% of his record. So we shall see. But in a nutshell, CNN's poll is a scam. I will keep telling you it's a scam. I want it to sink in. I know, and I, I see these comments sometimes not a lot but i see these comments sometimes jordan like there's there's water problems in so many other places like we get it enough on flint like go cover other things and every time i see it, it frankly it just boggles my mind not just because like we have covered other water issues uh we were just in detroit covering the water problems there i was in virginia covering people standing up standing <laughs> and protesting atop their trees to stop a pipeline from going through and destroying their water. I've been to so many places, can't even say them all uh, for water issues. And of course, like we're only, I'm only one person. You got Ty, you got Jen, like we can't do everything. Statusquo.com says join. The goal is to hire other reporters. This is, this is, a, this is a marathon status quo. It's not a sprint. We don't have the money to hire other reporters now, but I promise you if we do, when we get that money, uh, we will be hiring other reporters so we can cover many different things. That it's not just going to be me. I don't want to be the face of this. 
I think a lot of media networks make the mistake where because of egomaniacs at the top or narcissists, they don't want to put forth other people and create many different faces. That's the exact opposite way of building. That's the wrong way to build a network. You, you, get, you can't be so focused on yourself. Uh, you got to be focused on the goal, which is breaking stories that and covering things and no one else is and, and trying to get some justice for the downtrodden and those screwed by the United Corporations of America. That's why status quo exists. So we want to be able to hire other reporters and we want to be able to hire as many people as possible so we could cover all the things you want. We're only human. We can't cover everything at once. But why sometimes when people message this to me, I think what they're not realizing is we're not in Flint covering this. And that was my 14th trip this week. Jen's been there several times. I think Ty's been there 10 times. Um, we're not just there because of Flint. Of course, it's about Flint. But, but the Flint water crisis is not even just about water. And that's what I pe think I want you all to understand. This is about what kind of country do we live in? Do we even live in a country anymore? Because, you know, and let's not forget, I mean, the Native Americans have had dirty water for way longer than Flint. That's never talked about either. You know, when you have an American city, yes, it's a very poor city. Flint is one of the poorest cities in the whole country. You have an American city that was poisoned, not because of old infrastructure, but because of a man-made decision. Government decided to switch to the Flint River. Government officials forgot, or intentionally forgot, to add the proper corrosion control chemicals into that water. And that's why the water was basically like acid going through those pipes and the lead leached off. This was government what did it to these people, majority black, but a hell of a lot of white people too that are poor in Flint. This should have been fixed immediately. The money should have been granted immediately. Money, a lot of people say, well, what about the money from Congress? If you've been to Flint as many times as, you, as I have, you will know from speaking with people in the know as well as politicians, sometimes money is earmarked for X, but it doesn't quite go to X. It gets, a lot of it gets diverted to you know, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, and E areas. And that's happened in the case of Flint. How is it that five years later, no one is in jail? How is it that five years later, not the, all of the lead service lines in Flint are not removed? How is it five years later that you actually, they haven't even touched or talked about the mains in the street? Because if, you know, if you know the structure, you have water pipes in, in the streets, under, underneath the ground uh, that are the main pipes and those go to the service lines which are at your curb of your home or your apartment complex. Service lines are at the curb and go into the house and then you have your interior plumbing from the service from the curb the service line goes to the valve at the house. So they haven't touched the mains in the street. Those were busted too. They haven't touched people's interior plumbing. Not to mention these people don't have Medicare for all. There's expanded uh, Medicaid for some ages, but people still have thousands of dollars in, in bills coming out of their pocket. People are still getting rashes. People are still losing hair. I spoke with people this week. Their eyes sting when they're showering. They get breakout in rashes when they're showering. A mother told me that she has to give her daughter Benadryl every day because she's allergic. The doctors told her she's allergic to hot water in the shower. As you saw in my documentary, if you're a Status Quo member, statusquo.com says join, become a member for as low as $5 a month. If you, it, it, there's a one-year-old baby had just moved into this home. Two weeks later, white blisters all over her leg and arm. This is happening in America five years later. And you would think we broke a massive story. We broke the story that Governor Rick Snyder's environmental agency was literally cheating on the water testing in Flint for two years. They were going into residents' homes that were on the official state testing program and running their water before taking the samples. That is cheating. It is falsifying federal regulatory compliance tests. It is a crime, as Aaron Brockovich says. The media in Flint will not touch the story. And I don't want to get into any details right now, but Jen and I... Let's just say Jen and I have uncovered 
possibly the Titanic of corruption. I had a conversation the other day in Flint with a politician. I don't believe that politician understood that I was a journalist. I think he thought I he knew I, we had this documentary, but I don't think he truly understood who I was or that I'm a journalist. And if you're a politician, if you don't say off the record, and I don't agree, what you're saying is on the record. I mean, that's just how this works. And this politician said something to me that was just casually said it, but was so utterly corrupt that if we could prove it, I don't want to tease you, but it, I don't want to say it's bigger than the cooked water testing because that would minimize what we found. It's different, but this goes all the way up to Governor Snyder. And this even goes, this goes even higher than the governor's office. This is who's pulling the strings in the state of Michigan. So Jen and I have a lot of work to do on this. It's not ready. We need to verify a lot of things and find other sources, but uh, it's big. And by the way, if we could prove this, oh my God, it has huge ramifications for other states. Because if we could prove this is happening in Flint and Michigan, trust me, it's happening in other places. It has to do with private foundations basically deciding things and running the shots in states and basically making decisions where the governor passes it off as their decisions, but it's really private foundations making those decisions. Private foundations that have a real interest and desire to gentrify places like Flint and Detroit. Isn't that interesting? So what I want you to understand, and we're going to keep going back to Flint, and if somebody doesn't like it, I don't care. Don't watch us if you have a problem with us as the only, literally, we were the only, as far as I could tell, we were the only national media on the five-year anniversary. That day, April 25th, we were the only national media at the morning press conference. By the, by the Flint water treatment plant. We were the only national media that went to Lansing, the capital, where they protested later on. I saw a local reporter. That was it. From ABC 12. I didn't see the New York Times. I didn't see the Washington Post. I didn't see CNN. I didn't see MSNBC. I didn't see the Associated Press. I didn't see any of them. You know how I know? Because usually media have something to identify themselves. We didn't see anybody. Well, there's no surprise, and you know we have spoken out on the lack of consistency in terms of testing, the use of pre-flushing, obviously masks. Uh, this wasn't pre-flushing, this was flushing day of. Pre-flushing is the night before. No, no, I'm talking about pre-flushing on that day. In other words, running the tap before they take the sample. That's the issue. And that had been the protocol at, that was actually allowed at the DEQ, suggested by the DEQ, and frankly allowed by the EPA. No, that's incorrect, respectfully. Pre-flushing the EPA advises against it, but it's not outlawed. Flushing right before you're taking a sample is totally outlawed because... They were doing it, though, right? Right, that's what we yeah, found. Right. So I think there's been a confusion on they were pre-flushing, but this was actually right before the test day of from DEQ officials. We found this in 35 homes. So, right. I mean, it seems like a serious thing that the data that was used was improperly... <laughs> A lot of that data was manipulated testing. So publicly, I haven't heard anything from the mayor or you. Uh, the residents don't know. And a lot of residents, as you know, can't afford bottled water. So these pods, these free distribution centers were closed down by this data. Governor Snyder said the water's restored. Well, and we, we disagreed with that decision and made it very clear that the water should be provided until the entire system is completely repaired. And there should be absolute integrity in the testing. I mean, I, I guess I take issue uh, with your, your point about nobody ever speaking up about it. But you haven't, sir. I mean, you, you haven't publicly said anything. This has been in your office since November. I don't, I don't think that's the case. I appreciate you. What, what, when did you? What do you mean? I've been going back and forth with your office. They, they say you had reached out to MDEQ about it, but you haven't publicly said anything. I mean, the bottom line is people could be drinking contaminated water still because the data was compromised. So I'm just asking, do you think there should be an investigation into this? If that's the case, absolutely there should be. I mean, here's the thing. Nobody should game the testing. And if anybody needs a louder voice on that, we'll provide that louder voice. But it's absolute nonsense that anybody would game these tests. These are the people I work for. These are the people I represent. There is not any way in hell that I would stand aside 
and let somebody play games with the health of the people I represent. That's why we've been doing all this in the first place. So the idea that we would just sort of look the other way, nobody should look the other way. So I showed you that, by the way, now we had to take him kicking and screaming to call for an investigation, but now that is the third congressperson that has called for an investigation following Tulsi Gabbard, Ro Khanna, now Congressman Dan Kildee. Why I wanted to show you that is to show you what you're exactly paying for as a member. And to be clear, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about my interview abilities. If you think that was good, if you don't, whatever you think. It's not about my, whether I'm a good interviewer or not, whether I'm aggressive or not. The reason that I am able to do those kind of interviews where I don't care if I get an interview with him again. So when I go into these interviews, I'm going in figurative, figuratively, guns ablazing, guns ablazing. There's, there's no time for excess journalism. I'm not going to kiss the congressman's behind. I'm going to challenge him. If you noticed, I had to. It, it's not uh, so comfortable to have to correct a U.S. congressman, but he was wrong on, on pre-flushing versus flushing. Pre-flushing is when you flush water lines the night before a morning test. Flushing is when they're flushing right before the test that day. And I had to challenge him. And when he's sitting up there all sanctimonious, I would never stand by uh, while they're gaming the system. Well, respectfully, you were standing by. I have been going back and forth with his office since November when we published this story to say, why aren't you speaking out about this? You are the congressman that represents Flint. This is you. Why aren't you publicly speaking out for this? I have evidence that shows the numbers were cooked. I said, I said to his office, do you think the attorney general of Michigan's office is having a meeting with me and our team if we haven't presented them the evidence first? They don't just meet with Joe Schmoes up the street. Like, we had plenty of evidence, and if you've watched our documentary, Flushing Flint, if you're a status quo member or patron, you have access to our documentary, which shows the reporting that helped break that story. But the reason I wanted to show you that interview is so you see how the vision for status quo is is wildly different than the existing corporate media um, model. Let me tell you what the corporate media model is, and then let me show you what ours is. The corporate media model, and in some cases, some independent outlets, is access. We need access to the candidates. We need access to the sitting lawmakers. We need access to um, events. We need access to, we need access. So, we have to, you know, generally speaking, if you challenge power, if you expose power, they're not going to be so, you know, ready to invite you uh, or say yes for interviews with you or say yes, you have access and credentials to get into these events to cover and these things. What I've always thought is I don't particularly think people care about me getting interviews with politicians or me getting interviews with or making sure I have access to events. What people want is the truth. What people want is exposing the truth. What people want is challenging power. It's not always going to result in us taking down those corporate powerful interests, whether it's Congress people, corporations or whatever, but it's sure, it's sure useful to challenge them. So when we go into places like Flint or Detroit or anywhere else, we're funded by you. We don't have a corporation funding us. We don't answer to, I don't have a boss. So my boss is you. I know whether we're doing a good job or we're not doing a job based on you. I know whether we're doing a good job uh, based on are more people signing up as members? Are these videos getting decent views? Sure, you have to take it with a grain of salt because the videos are being suppressed by YouTube. Are people, I read the comments very closely, not to see if people are praising me, but to see if people appreciate this reporting because this reporting is our business model. So when we go into a local public library in Flint where that interview is, it doesn't even register in my mind, well, I better be diplomatic and not challenge him too much because, you know, I want access to his office or I need to stay in good relations with Kildee or whatever. doesn't even enter my mind. You want to know why? Hey, I'm not from Flint. B, I don't work in Michigan. I'm not media in Flint that needs good relations with them. Just like I'm not media... Anywhere else we go where I need good relations with them. I am a journalist that wants to challenge power. And I don't want you to think that I go into these things like stone cold. I'm only human. Yeah, there's a little nerves here and there, but I've just gotten used to it. So the only way to challenge power is to not depend on that power. 
people, reporters at the Flint Journal in Flint are not going to challenge Dan Kildee because their careers and their model depends on access to Kildee, access to Senator Debbie Stabenow, access to the governor's office. We don't depend on that. Sure, would it be great to get an interview with Bernie Sanders? It would, but I'm not going to like not criticize Bernie Sanders uh, if he's doing something wrong. And if that means no access or I won't get an interview, okay. Same goes for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or others. I don't think that makes or breaks status quo to have access. Just like when we go in, it's not even a thought in my mind to go easy on politicians or not report this because it might mean this. Sure, there's certain instances where I decide, you know what, I'm going to hold back on this because if I hold back on this, I'll get something much bigger. Yes, sometimes that happens, but not often. So my point is membership is how we have the freedom. Bernie Sanders talks about Medicare for All gives you freedom as an American to pursue your passions, this and that. Being funded by you, the viewers, gives us the freedom to actually be real journalists, right? So we, we're going in the field and we're picking where we go based on what we know the audience appreciates because we're funded by you. If we were funded by advertisers, if we were funded by a big corporations, we would have to worry about, well, will this piss them off or will they not like this or that? No. So that's why we have the ability to choose where we go. Sure. Sometimes it's choice. A lot of times it's choices based on our own instincts, myself, Jen and Ty, where we think we need to be, where our passions are. But we also make sure to, you know, read the room, see what viewers are responding to, not responding to that, this and that. So that's why we keep asking you to sign up as a member. We know that most of our viewers are not like rolling in it. Even an extra $5 or $10 or $20 a month budgeted to something like this. Most people don't have so much money that they could afford that. But what we want you to know is what you saw this week in Flint and we have more coming out. What you saw from our documentary, none of it happens if we're not funded by the viewers. If we hadn't made, I think we're up to $53,000 on GoFundMe. And when we're when our live stream, when we're able to live stream again, hopefully at the end of May, I'm going to start doing more Sunday uh, marathons like I was used to doing and try to get that final push to to raise our our goal is 75,000. I think we're at 53,000. But it's hard to raise money when you can't talk live to the viewers. So I haven't been pushing GoFundMe as much because I can't talk to you. Um, but this is a super chat. But I want you to know that's why we're asking you to fund us the money. You literally in that interview see I don't have any I don't have any ass to kiss I don't have any access to safeguard you are funding us and you are our bosses period end of story so I hope if you're on the fence I hope what is real independent fearless journalism means to you because I got news for you we didn't stop when we published that story in November we have met with the Attorney General's office I can't go into detail Let's just say they're looking into it. Actual change and accountability might come from the story we did, the documentary we produced, and that story was only able to be broken by because you funded us to be there. Jen and I, and then Ty joined us for three weeks in the summer, another week in the fall. That documentary, Ty was only able to work on that documentary and only that documentary for months. It takes a long time to put together a documentary because you are funding us to have Ty here and to pay him. I mean... You got to pay people, right? So uh, I hope if you're on the fence, you'll really consider the reason we need more people to sign up as members. And if you sign up, I promise you, our heart is in the right direction. We're not telling you one thing and then going having meetings with plutocrats. Nah, -uh. we will not be bought, period. Save this because I tell you to hold everyone else accountable, hold me accountable and hold us accountable too. So I hope you'll consider becoming a status quo member as low as $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month, or $179 annually. And real quick, I already did a video on, on this, but I want to explain it one more time. I appreciate Jimmy Dore having me on, Mike from the Humanist Report having me on, The Rational National having me on, Graham Elwood having me on, a couple others had me on about the documentary. Last minute, I don't want to go into full details, but last minute, I spoke with enough people that... I kind of got the feeling like we were shortchanging ourselves by not aggressively pushing to get this picked up by possibly Netflix or Hulu or one of those. Um, it's not that we didn't think about that in the first place, but this documentary isn't only telling a story, it's breaking a story. So we had to weigh 
do, do we want to wait to try and get it picked up by a larger distributor and not have this important breaking news story out there to the whole world? Or do we want to just release it? Because if you just release it, nobody's a, a distributor is not going to pick it up because it's already been out there. So last minute, I did read some tea leaves from one or two people that reached out uh, that there might be interest in this from a larger distributor. So we decided at the last minute, yes, make it available for our paying members and patrons. We showed it on Sunday in Flint to a church. They, I mean, I'm not overselling it. They absolutely loved it and appreciated it. And it was, we didn't even video it because it was just like this intimate gathering and we didn't even want to like exploit it. So we just were there. We didn't shoot it or anything like that, but they loved it. And I'll update you as far as developments come. I mean, if we don't get any bites at this in the next month or two, we'll reevaluate and just release it. But I have a feeling we might get some bites. So that's why we held off on releasing it. And this is what happens. In, we're a startup media company with three people. So sometimes things are planned really well and sometimes probably aren't planned as well because we're all doing 17 things at once. Uh, so last minute, we kind of got a feeling that this might have more of a chance than we think to get picked up. So we obviously the goal is to get this seen by as many people as humanly possible. And if we could get it on a Netflix, we'd be idiots to release it prematurely. So it is available for Status Quo members. That's statusquo.com slash join. Become a member. You go to member content. It's right there. Thank you for watching. We'll be back tomorrow. Reminder, I'm getting back surgery on Thursday, so I'll be out for a few days. Uh, Jen or Ty will fill in the dots. As always, most people are not lacking compassion in this country. Most people have no earthly idea what is going on. Make sure, if you have not yet, go to statusquo.com, enter your email so we can grow our email list, and make sure you go to statusquo.com slash join. Peace out.